Hello, thanks for downloading this episode of Teacher Magazine's Research Files podcast series. I'm Jo Herb. The More Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander Teachers Initiative, that's MATSITI, is a four-year Commonwealth-funded initiative aimed at improving the recruitment and retention of Indigenous teachers and leaders in Australian schools. The project ends this month and an evaluation report looking at the impact and effectiveness of MATSITI has just been published. The chair of the evaluation panel, Peter Johnson, joins me in today's episode to talk about underrepresentation of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples in the profession and the report's findings. Peter Johnson, welcome to the Research Files. Uh, it's good to be here. There's lots of literature, isn't there, supporting the benefit of uh, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander students being taught by uh, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander teachers, isn't there? Ah, uh, there is. Yeah. There is. Now, before we talk about some of the practical projects and, and those benefits that, that uh, Matt Seaty led to, can you just outline the extent of that issue? What did the statistics say at the time? Look, the, there's a lot of history in this. Um, you can go back to, and, and I suppose to, to backtrack slightly, the evaluation panel thought it was essential not just to look at Matt Seedy, but to look at why Matt Seedy actually happened. Mm -hmm. And so we went back to um, the 1979 National Aboriginal Education Committee re commissioned report, which was done by Paul Hughes, who uh, is now involved in the Matt Seedy project, and Eric Wilmot, and they identified 72 Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander teachers in Australian schools at the time, back in 1979-80. The report set an aspirational target of 1,000 teachers by 1990, 1,000 Indigenous teachers. Mm -hmm. um, since, since that report, uh, you can find any number of, of government committees, working parties, conference resolutions, policy documents that have acknowledged the issue of underrepresentation and have made recommendations about action that should flow from it. So it was building momentum, obviously, through a number of years, 30 or so years. Um, one of the, I suppose, problems, one of the biggest issues in it was there was no real data on the number of Indigenous teachers that were, in fact, out there, other than that 72 that... Hughes and Wilmot counted back in 1979. The ABS don't publish Indigenous teacher data in Schools Australia. Uh, in fact, they, they only started publishing Indigenous student numbers in 1989. Um, and there's very few school jurisdictions prior to Matt Seedy that could really put their finger on the number of Indigenous teachers that they had and the, mm -hmm. the demographic characteristics of those. Mm -hmm. So moving on to those practical ways then, uh, that I mentioned earlier of improving the number of Indigenous teachers, there were uh, something like 57 projects, I think, over the four years yep. of MATCT, which ended this year. Can you tell us a little bit about some of the successes that you found then? Look, there were, <clears throat> there were many successes within those 57 projects, and they were across a range of um, strategies. The, there was promotional recruitment activities, there were mentoring models, there were leadership programs, Mm -hmm. Australian Council of Deans did a, a major piece of work or two major pieces of work. They did a phase one and phase two project and what they looked at was 
the fact that only 33% of Indigenous students entering teacher education were actually completing those courses. Right. So they had Just a to repeat that, sorry, 33%. 33%. Right. Okay. So they had a real issue with uh, the retention of students in those courses. And when they went de dug deeper into the reasons behind that, and, um, and one of the other universities actually did a separate project on it, they identified walking points which were points where a student was more likely to leave the course and walk away. And they were you know, first year programs or times when exams were coming up and they had other pressures on them or professional experience itself, which could be quite confronting if they were going to a school that, that wasn't what you might consider culturally safe. Mm -hmm. um, they, they looked at having the ACDE looked at having better communication in the universities between the teacher education faculties and the Indigenous higher education units to ensure that there was better communication there, better connectivity, and that they, they understood the students that they had in their courses. They, they looked at um, the models of their programs and their teaching styles, and there was this element of what uh, in some of the literature was called white power um, which re reflected in the, the sort of Western teaching uh, methodology that was there, which wasn't conducive necessarily to some of the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander students. Um, Queensland Department of Education and Training did a, a, a fairly major um, rejig of their um, promotional recruitment activities there. They already had a program called Make a Difference Teach, mm -hmm. and they they used that framework from that program to implement one called Deadly Teachers Make a Difference, which had a, an Indigenous flavour. One, one of the most crucial things that they also did was to have a teach team which used a group of um, teaching ambassadors who were teachers, the Indigenous teachers, who could be available and go out and talk to groups and, and just relate their experiences. So it was, it was very effective. Mm -hmm. University of New England um, used exit surveys to actually have a look at those walking points and to find out the real reasons why you know, students were leaving their courses and walking away from a career in teaching. And they, the, probably the, the most critical factors they found were students needing, uh, well, having times when they needed financial support or whether their own circumstances needed to be recognised culturally. So um, they, they may have been um, not present during exam times because of sorry business or something else that was reflecting on them at home. They may have had other responsibilities that they couldn't, uh, couldn't um, uh, let go and so they had to, um, you know, probably give that priority and, and that then impacted on their studies. And of course, the the, la the last one I'll talk briefly about is the um, New South Wales Department of Education Join Our Mob um, project. It, it had a range of careers forums across uh, places in New South Wales where there were high proportions of Aboriginal students in particular, and it involved Indigenous teachers and leaders in those careers forums. It offered 80 scholarships annually and still does. And with those scholarships came a, a guaranteed permanent job at the end of that scholarship period and the end of their training. Mm -hmm. And it also provided them with mentoring support to get through their studies and in their initial years of teaching. 
uh, now, uh, ultimately, I suppose, one of the main measures of success is in the numbers. So what does the latest data show? Look, it's, it's very encouraging. Uh, Ernst & Young were commissioned by Matt Feedy to do two collections. They mm -hmm. did a collection based on 2012 data and one based on 2015 data. And they compared that. And what they tried to do was to get data from every school jurisdiction in Australia. Um, they weren't successful with that, but they did get enough to be able to uh, make some fairly good assumptions from that data. When we look at the, the difference between 2012 and 2015, there were 1,660 teachers who identified as Indigenous in the 2012 data and were still there in the 2015 data. There were 743 teachers who didn't identify in 2012, but they did in 2015. And I'll come back to that one in a moment. There were 697 teachers who commenced their teaching after uh, 2012, and then there were 1,001 who identified in 2012 but weren't able to be tracked in the 2015 data. Now, overall, that meant there was a, a net gain of 439 teachers, mm -hmm. around 16.5%, which was a positive when you're dealing with those, those sorts of numbers. The, the most intriguing figure was that 743 teachers because to say over a four-year period that Matt Feedy made a complete difference and generated more teachers out there might be a long bow because of the, the short period of time and the time it takes to build a teacher and to get them into schools. But when you look at 743 teachers who did not identify in 2012 for some reason but were identified in 2015, it's encouraging because it, it's... It could be look, it could be a number of things. It could be better better recording processes by the jurisdictions. It could be them being able to uh, finally ask the question and uh, encourage people to identify. And it, and probably the I think the most positive aspect is it could be because of the heightened awareness around the issue by Matt Feedy of cultural safety. It could be that some of those teachers felt more comfortable identifying by 2015 than they did in 2012. Probably the most disappointing figure that uh, was within that data was the fact that there were 17 female principals who actually left and couldn't be tracked in the 2015 data. Now that may have been because they retired or decided that um, they were going off to experience other things. Um, then again, it might have been uh, other issues that impacted on them in the in the job. It'd be very interesting to try and track those 17 female principals and find out more about them. Um, finally, then, where do we go from here? Then, what 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 should be happening now? Um, in the recommendations, what we what we focused on was some main things. One was that. We believe that Matt Seedy had set up such a momentum over four years that it deserved another four years. Any projects coming out of that should be evidence-based and should really reference the work of the past four years to, to see what really worked and, and how we can progress that over the next four years. We looked at the prospects of a national promotional recruitment campaign. Um, we, we also proposed that the Commonwealth Government award 100 targeted scholarships each year. And um, the, other, the other 
point that we, we also recommended fairly strongly was that the government should look at and work with the relevant um, stakeholders to uh, make provision within legislation and industrial agreements to provide preference for employment for Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people. Mm -hmm. Now, um, there's an awful lot of detail in that evaluation report. You've, you've uh, produced a couple of things, an executive summary version, a shorter version, but also the full report, and we'll put those uh, links on the uh, website with this Excellent. podcast. But uh, for now, Peter Johnson, thanks very much for joining the Research Files. Thank you, and thanks for the opportunity. You've been listening to an episode of The Research Files from Teacher Magazine. To download all of our podcasts for free, visit acer.ac forward slash teacher iTunes or www.soundcloud.com forward slash teacher hyphen acer. To find out more about the research discussed in this podcast and to access the latest articles, videos and infographics, visit www.teachermagazine.com.au.